Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Always love hearing that Houston Cougars fight song, and it sure sounds beautiful these days, doesn't it? Everything looking up as the Cougs are undefeated, ranked in the top 25, and just opened a brand new beautiful arena. I thought this would be the perfect time to welcome back the play-by-play voice of Cougar basketball, Jeremy Branham. Happy holidays, Jeremy. Yeah, happy holidays to you, too. It's, it's kind of hard to believe that it's already Christmas time. It's hard to believe it's Christmas time, and it's hard to believe that uh, the Houston Cougars have already played 10 basketball games this year. Yeah, they're ranked 21st in the AP poll and 20th in the coaches poll, if I've got that right. Uh, are, are they one of just seven teams now that haven't lost a game? You know, I haven't looked yesterday. Um, it's right around that range. The last time I counted, it was nine, but I haven't counted in the last couple of days. So, yeah, they're in pretty elite company when you look at the, all of the undefeated teams still left in college basketball. And, you know, it's fun to see the, the local basketball team kind of in the mix with some of the, the big names and the blue bloods of college basketball. So how are they doing it? How are they doing this? Uh, I mean, I watch the games and their defense is just, uh, it's all over the place. Yeah, you know, I think that's the thats the calling card of this team. You know, last year, look, any team that, that's coached by Kelvin Sampson is going to do two things. They're going to play really hard and they're going to play really good defense because that's what Kelvin Sampson preaches. And if you don't do that, then you're not going to play for Kelvin Sampson. Uh, last year's team, of course, kind of, you know, when they, when they got to the NCAA tournament, Rob Gray had such a, a tremendous game against San Diego State. He had a tremendous game against Michigan. You know, he's kind of a, a popular guy. He's got a guy that has a lot of cachet. So he stole the show, and rightfully so, last year. And I think last year, whenever you look at that Houston Cougar team, most people only watched the NCAA tournament. And they thought, okay, it's the Rob Gray show. And then all of a sudden, you lose Rob Gray, who's doing good things in the uh, the G League. Last I checked up on him. And then you come back next season, and you, you have questions. Like any team across the country, you have questions as to who are they going to be? Who are, who's going to step into the shoes and, and fill the shoes of a Rob Gray, fill the shoes of a Devin Davis? And, you know, I don't think anybody has, to be honest with you. It's kind of been a collective effort to, to replace the production of those guys. But this year's team does something that, last year's team did but not as well and that's that's get after teams their defense is really good they're holding opponents to under 60 points per game their opponent field goal percentage is incredibly low and it's just one through about 10 they're deep they all play incredible defense they all play really hard and it's just a really difficult team to beat to me the most fun guy to watch is Armani Brooks who's gone from shooting less than six three-pointers a game to nine this year he's hitting 41 percent of them is there any big change from last year or is he just getting more minutes meaning more shots yeah to me that's the big change is just how much he's playing you know last year he was coming off the bench and he had he was a big role last year he had a big role as a big part of the team was named to the six was in the sixth man of the year in the american conference so we knew the potential that armani brooks had and we saw it last year whenever he was putting up good numbers at the bench uh, but now, you know, Rob Gray, we just mentioned him. You, you lose the the scoring there. You lose all of the minutes that he was playing, and somebody's got to step up, the natural evolution of a player. And Brooks playing all the minutes, getting a, a lot of shots, and he's scoring uh, at, a, at a high rate, averaging you know right around 16 points per game. I would say that the biggest difference, though, in Armani's game, there is you can tell there's a difference. He worked hard in finding other ways to score. You know, his freshman year and his sophomore season, it was more shooting from the outside. And we were wondering, okay, can he take the next step in his game as an offensive player? Can he get to the rim? Can he evolve into a mid-range shooter and have a mid-range game? Could he attack off the dribble? And he's doing a lot of those things better than he was a year ago to where he's now more of a complete scorer. He's still a shooter. He's still a tremendous shooter. 
uh, but he's added elements to his game to be a better scorer all around. The dynamic duo also includes Corey Davis. What are you seeing from him this season? It's kind of the same thing as Armani. You know, he's, he's being asked to do a little bit more offensively. Uh, you still know what you have. Last year, he was a player that made over 103 pointers in the season, and he's still a very good shooter. Uh, still getting adjusted, it seems like, to the Fertitta Center. Got off to a slow start in a couple of home games, played there. But uh, this last game against St. Louis had a couple of big threes down the stretch. Uh, broke a tie with about a minute to go with a huge three as well. So it seems like he's coming out of a bit of a shooting slump that he had. But, you know, he's playing heavy minutes. And I think the heavy minutes ha- have led to his shooting percentages going down a little bit. Uh, he's being called upon to run the team a little bit more, kind of a backup point guard spot behind Galen Robinson when he needs a rest. And Dejan Giroux didn't play a whole lot at the start of the season, so Davis was elevated to that point guard number two spot in the depth chart. But now with Giroux back, that'll allow Corey Davis to get a little bit more rest. He won't have to play the point as much, which to me is going to be good for his shot and his scoring. But he's kind of the same as our money, a bigger role, being asked to do a little bit more, and he's scoring more ways. And three-point line. It's just a small sample size, only 24 shots, but Galen Robinson is shooting over 45% from three. Do you want to see him shooting more, Journey? <laughs> no, no. I think he's shooting the right amount of times. I, I know that his three-point shooting has, has been really good this season, but you look at his, the course of his career, and he was a really bad three-point shooter in his first three years as a Cougar. So I think a big reason to that high shooting percentage is his shot selection. You know, he's taking shots that are there. He's not forcing any three-pointers because he knows that, you know, that's not really his game. His game is slashing to the basket, penetrating, distributing, uh, and playing really good defense. Now, he's worked incredibly hard at that three-point shot. Uh, I asked him about it earlier in the season, and he he said that during the offseason, he was shooting so much during the offseason that, like like a baseball pitcher, he was developing blisters on the tips of his finger just with the release and the ball spinning out of his fingers and that he would have to stop shooting because he was working so hard in that aspect of his game. You can tell he's a much better three-point shooter, but you can tell that he's also not a natural three-point shooter like Corey Davis or Armani Brooks. He doesn't have that quick release. He can't shoot over guys. So one of the big reasons to him shooting at such a great three-point clip that he's shooting right now is the shot selection. So I think he's shooting the right amount of times, and I I think he's been an outstanding senior leader right now through 10 games. Yeah, I just almost wondered if there was like a form change or something like that. I also want to ask you about the Cougars' RPI, which I believe is now in the top 25. What about the quality of these wins? BYU, Oregon, LSU, Oklahoma State, all sound pretty strong. Yeah, you know, I can never – all that stuff and those algorithms, and it's it's all over my head. The RPI looks very good in the top 25. Uh, the strength of schedule does not look very good. I, I know that I've seen some people talk about it, and it's not ranked that high. And then the NCAA added that uh, that new ranking system this year, the NET. Don't ask me what it stands for, but the net ranking. And it looks like the NCAA – well, it is. The NCAA tournament uh, committee is going to look at the net ranking this year and not at the RPI. They're almost dismissing the RPI altogether and going with the net ranking. And the Cougars, today's net ranking, actually are number nine in the nation. So, you know, if the committee uses that like they say they're going to use it, and the Cougars right now with the, the number nine net ranking in the entire nation, you know, this is a team that, look, it's early in the season. You haven't even started conference play. But, you know, everybody in the back of their minds, at least from fans' perspective, media perspective, they wonder, okay, well, the Cougars last year went to the tournament. They look like a tournament team this year. They're nationally ranked. They're 10-0. and 0, And people start to look at net ranking a little bit. Whenever you have a number nine net ranking – 
you're looking at a potential high seed in the NCAA tournament. Now, I hesitate to say that because we're only 10 games in the year and haven't even conference play and things change fast. But this is a team that, for some reason, and don't ask me to explain it, but the, uh, the computers like them. Yeah, I hadn't even heard about the net ranking. That's pretty interesting. Uh, next thing I want to ask you about was the Fertitta Center. What has struck you most about it, either from a fan's perspective and or you know, just as a, a player perspective, too? Man, that's a that's a loaded question because there's so much to like about the Fertitta Center. One of the uh, one of the biggest things that I wanted to know uh, going into the new building was the acoustics. How loud could the building be? Because the old Hoffines Pavilion, when you got that place rocking, now I understand it didn't happen a lot, but whenever Hoffines Pavilion was rocking, that place could be incredibly loud. You had the low roof, the noise would just bounce off of that thing, it would trap noise very good, and they would it would be really noisy. It'd be a loud crowd whenever there were a lot of fans there. So I was really curious to see how the acoustics would sound in the new building, if whenever the crowd got loud, how noisy it was. Because they took they took all of the roof off, to be honest with you, and they built like this little halo roof to where it's still low. But in the center, you have a very high roof that goes all the way to the very top of the building. But it is still very loud. Uh, the noise still bounces in there. You know, the opener against Oregon, uh, it was incredibly loud. Sold out crowd. It was loud there. Cougars ended up winning that game. They kind of cruised for a most part. Oregon made it close a little bit at the end. But then the LSU game, I mean, it got really noisy there. Cougars were down by as many as 15 points. Another sold-out crowd. They rallied all the way back to win it. I mean, it, it is a loud building. It's got a little bit of every – it's got a little thing for everybody. You know, the high-ticket guys, the, they have the club seats. Uh, that's a nice addition where they have a little bit of a club area where you can go in, you can get food. The student section is really fun because now that's closer to the court. That's one of the things I like the best about the Fertitta Center is that, you know, it used to be when you had that big kind of, I don't even know what to call it, like a like a rodeo circle around the building. It was it was very difficult to have the fans close to the court, but they wiped that thing out. You have the student sections closer. You have the fans a lot closer. But the students are right on top of us from where we're at in the broadcast spot. And the students have really rallied behind the Fertitta Center. They've rallied behind the team. And it's just a, it's a great atmosphere. I would encourage anybody that likes basketball, likes sports, if, if they haven't come out to Fertitta Center, even if not a Cougar fan, it's just a, it's a really entertaining venue to watch a game. You still got that little-known basketball player that's calling the games with you? Yeah, yeah, the big E, Elvin Hayes, uh, little known, one of the greatest college basketball players of all time. And, you know, it kind of came full circle the other day because uh, U of H, whenever they won their 10th game in a row to start the season, that was the first time since 1967-68 season to win their first 10 games of a year. The 1967-68 team was captained by Elvin Hayes in his senior year. That team went went on to win 31 in a row. I don't know if this team has that in them. And they went all the way to the final four before losing in the uh, the national semis. And then back then they played a third place game and then lost the third place game as well. So yeah, the Big E's still around and uh, the Cougars are playing pretty good basketball and pretty good basketball to do something that they haven't done since the Big E was pouring in uh, numbers back in the 60s. Yeah, it's pretty cool to have uh, a guy that was there 50 <laughs> years ago uh, call the games yeah. with you. And also... Did you catch the uh, story that he did? Or I, He was actually all throughout Basketball Love Story, the ESPN doc. And, and the thing that I think took a lot of people by surprise was the fact that he has not talked to Kareem or Lou Alcindor back in the day since then. I mean, I, that, that just shocked the hell out of me. Yeah, that's 
That's interesting. I didn't. You have to tell me what this is. I, I don't even know what you're talking about. Well, apparently, I don't know. I guess they they maybe did not get along at the time or what was the documentary you're talking about, though? Basketball love story that ESPN basically did the history of basketball. Oh, OK. Ten part documentary. Very interesting. It was it's vignettes. There's about, I think, somewhere in the neighborhood of 60 some odd vignettes, which you can watch wow. them individually as opposed to having to because it's a it's a long thing. It's probably uh, uh, 10 hours or more. I forget how long the whole thing is altogether, but there were 10 parts to it. And, you know, they they got into that whole uh, time and, you know, talking about Elvin Hayes and Lou Alcindor in the game of the century and, and, and sort of really that UCLA, those UCLA teams and, and, and the U of H teams. And the, really, that was one of my favorite parts. And, yeah, it was just real interesting because, uh, you know, he said, yeah, we, we have not spoken uh, since then. And, you know, I, I didn't get the feeling that it was necessarily – that something had happened. It was just, they were such competitors back then that there was never really a real friendly relationship or anything like that. Huh? That's the first I, I, I've heard about that. I've never talked to Elvin about specifically Kareem. I've talked to him about the, you know, the game played at the Astrodome and uh, of course the hoopla around that. But, you know, I recall uh, Elvin had, he used to have a show on uh, 1560. And I, for some reason, I thought that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar came on a show a few years ago. So, yeah, that that comes as a, as a surprise to me. The only thing I can think of is maybe you know that that documentary was shot over a several year span, so maybe uh, they uh. did that interview uh, several years ago because a lot of the people have passed away that were in the documentary. It's really amazing because you're seeing people that you know you haven't seen in a long time because they're no longer alive. You know, everybody from I'm trying to think who all Dr. Jack Ramsey's in there. Uh, some some basketball players. I think even Moses might have been in the documentary, but uh, you know it's just real interesting because um, that 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 documentary did a nice, really nice job with that. I also saw the the hour that uh, I think it was uh, CBS Sports did on the game of the century. It was real yeah. interesting. Jim Nance hosted that, and luckily, you know that was done before Dick Enberg had passed away, who called the game. So yeah, that that right. that's another one if, for Cougars fans. It's a must see, but I don't know if they're showing that over again or not. But uh, when are the next couple of chances for people to get to see the Cougs in the new digs? You know, that's um, going back. I have seen the, the documentary about uh, the one with, with uh, Jim Nance held and then uh, hosted and then Dick Enberg was there. You know, I'm actually reading the John Wooden book and they, they're talking about the time. I'm not completely done with it yet, but they're talking about the time whenever UCLA basketball was becoming a big deal. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was going into his second season. It was Lou Alcindor, of course, back then. And then they had like this brash new athletic director that wanted to put all their games on television. And the reason that they hired Dick Enberg was because they couldn't find somebody else. And they found a guy who was like, in a, you know, he, he had done some work in community college athletics before. And they just brought in Dick Enberg. And then all of a sudden, Dick Enberg would blow up, uh, which is a, it's an interesting book. And it's kind of an interesting story about Dick Enberg uh, kind of coming to fame. And it all started back with UCLA basketball. Uh, whenever Kareem was still only a sophomore back at UCLA. Uh, but the next chance for Houston to really to catch a chance to see Houston, they have a big one coming up on Thursday. It's kind of an underrated big one. Uh, Utah State is the team that the Cougars will face on Thursday. Uh, the Aggies have gotten off to a good start. And I've been looking a lot at those net rankings because if that's what the, the committee says they're going to look at, I want to see what every how it's shaping up i want to see how it's playing out through the course of the season and again it's been great for the cougars they're ranked as high as number nine 
Uh, I didn't see where Utah State was ranked in the, the one they released today, but I know that they've been hovering around 30, 35 in that area. So it's a, it'd be a quality win for either team. I mean, really, you have two teams in the top 35 that'll be going toe-to-toe on Thursday, and Utah State doesn't have you know, the cachet. They don't have the name appeal as an LSU or as an Oregon. But at the end of the season, that could be the best out-of-conference opponent that you'll face. So, you know, they're a team that's going to compete for their conference. It's a really big game in terms of trying to add another quality win to your resume. Uh, so that'll be a good opportunity for fans. If you're too busy in the holidays, they have a couple of home games after that, uh, out-of-conference against Coppin State, NJIT. And then they open conference play, and you have some good conference uh, opponents. It's a good conference again this year, and a lot of chances to see some quality opponents, but don't sleep on that Utah State game on Thursday night. Yeah, Utah State Thursday night at 7 p.m., Coppin State Sunday at 3 p.m., and, it, and it's just not good enough that the Cougs are 10-0, and 0 and you got a brand-new arena to call the games in now. Jeremy, you had to get engaged, <laughs> too? What? I did, yeah. Uh, I actually did it on uh, this past Sunday. Um very fortunate. Uh, I'll kick my coverage there. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Very excited to, to, about that as well. And thanks for the uh, the congratulations you sent me. I really appreciate that. Yeah, you guys uh, are looking forward to a fun holiday season, I'm sure, with that news coming down and, and the Cougs doing yeah, what they're yeah. doing and everything like that. <laughs> so should be pretty awesome. Hey, thanks for doing this. It's always fun to catch up with you. Yeah, of course, Robert. Uh, I'm happy to come on. Anytime you, you want to talk uh, U of H sports, U of H basketball, I'm Always looking for looking forward to having that conversation with just about anybody, so I might as well do it with you, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Houston Cougar voice, Jeremy Branham. Go check out those Cougs. They're looking good. Thanks again for listening, and if you're new to the show, subscribe to Houston Sports Talk on iTunes, Stitcher, or the TuneIn app. You can keep up with this show and my daily Locked On Texans podcast on Twitter and Facebook or by going to HoustonSportsTalk.net or LockedOnTexans.com.